The House is in recess for the next two weeks. The Senate will come back Monday and stay in session through Thursday. Last week in the House, the House came back on Monday and passed a bill under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday, the House took up and passed a rule. On Wednesday, the House took up H.R. 185 to terminate the vaccine mandate on foreign travelers arriving in the United States. After considering five amendments and agreeing to two of them, the House voted to pass H.R. 185 by a vote of 227 to 201. On Thursday, the House took an unscheduled vote on a resolution to condemn the Chinese Communist Party's use of a high-altitude surveillance balloon over United States territory as a brazen violation of U.S. sovereignty. The resolution passed unanimously, 419 to 0, with 15 members not voting. Then the House took up two resolutions disapproving actions taken by the District of Columbia Council. The first one was a measure disapproving the D.C. Council's action in approving an amendment to allow non-citizen residents, including green card holders and illegal immigrants, to vote in local elections. That resolution passed by a vote of 260 to 162. The second one was a measure disapproving the D.C. Council's action in approving the Revised Criminal Code Act, which, among other things, reduced the penalties for some violent crimes. That resolution passed by a vote of 250 to 173, and then they were done. Last week in the Senate, the Senate came back on Tuesday and voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of DeAndrea Gist Benjamin to be a U.S. Circuit Judge for the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. On Thursday, the Senate voted to confirm her to that position. Then the Senate voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of Cindy K. Chung to be a U.S. Circuit Judge for the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, and then they were done. This week in the Senate, the Senate will return Monday with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. At that time, the Senate will proceed to a roll call vote on the confirmation of Cindy K. Chung to be a U.S. Circuit Judge for the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. Then, based on the majority leader's cloture filings, I anticipate the Senate will take up more confirmations, beginning with a vote on cloture on the nomination of Gina R. Mendez-Miro to be a U.S. District Judge for the District of Puerto Rico. Following that, there will likely be votes throughout the week on the nominations of Matthew L. Garcia to be a U.S. District Judge for the District of New Mexico, Lindsey C. Jenkins to be a U.S. District Judge for the Northern District of Illinois, and Adrian C. Nelson to be a U.S. District Judge for the District of Oregon. Now, let's go to illegal immigration. On Tuesday, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee held its hearing on the crisis at the southern border, featuring as witnesses two chief patrol agents of the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Gloria Chavez is the chief patrol agent of the Rio Grande Valley sector, and John Modlin is the chief patrol agent of the Tucson sector. Committee Chairman James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, lambasted the Biden administration in his opening remarks, saying, quote, Make no mistake, the state of our border is in crisis. Jay Johnson, the Secretary of Homeland Security under President Obama, once said that 1,000 apprehensions per day overwhelms the system. In 2019, he said, and I quote, I cannot begin to imagine what 4,000 a day looks like, end quote. So we are truly in a crisis, 
end quote. Remember, the most recent figures from Customs and Border Protection show that we're already dealing with about 8,000 apprehensions per day. That number is expected to jump to as many as 18,000 apprehensions per day once Title 42 is overturned. Chief Patrol Agent Chavez described the situation at the border as, quote, a bit overwhelming, unquote, and said she needed an increase in resources. Modlin said there were 19,300 agents on staff, but he thought 22,000 was a, quote, reasonable number. There's more on the Hunter Biden laptop story. Hunter Biden's lawyers don't think much of the House Republicans who are now using their newfound majority powers to investigate him from a position of committee control. Biden's lawyers rejected a request for documents served on the younger Biden, saying the House Republicans' investigation lacked a, quote, valid legislative purpose, unquote. Biden's attorney, Abby Lowell, repeatedly referred to Hunter as a private citizen and said the information sought by the committee, quote, is precisely what is prohibited by the Supreme Court, unquote. Instead, suggested Lowell, he would be happy to meet with committee staff, quote, to see whether Mr. Biden has any information that may inform some legitimate legislative purpose and be helpful to the committee, end quote. And there's more on the Chinese spy balloon. After shooting down the Chinese spy balloon a week ago Saturday, the Biden administration scrambled to explain its thinking. First, it said, hey, it's not that serious. Chinese spy balloons flew over the continental United States three times during the four years of the predecessor. Within 24 hours, three of the men who had served President Trump as national security advisor were all telling the mainstream media the same story. To it, nobody ever informed me that a Chinese spy balloon had breached U.S. airspace. So the military changed its story. No, of course no one ever informed the National Security Advisor that a Chinese spy balloon had overflown U.S. territory, they said, because we didn't know it at the time. We only found out after the fact, as a result of assets in the intelligence community. To me, this is a far more troubling story to tell, not because it indicates that we didn't know then what we didn't know, but because it tells me now that the people who are making decisions on what information we hold close to the vest and what information and, and what information we let loose aren't thinking clearly. Or if they are thinking clearly, they've got the wrong priorities. Think about what I just said. The new version of the military story is that we did not know at the time that the Chinese were sending spy balloons into our airspace, but that we learned after the fact from the intelligence community. Well, what does that actually mean? It means we have spies high up inside the Chinese government, at least high enough that they would be privy to the knowledge that the Chinese Communist Party was sending spy balloons over the United States. How do we know that? Because one of them told our intelligence community about the previous Chinese spy balloons, or one of them was overheard talking about, or emailing about, or text messaging about the intelligence take from one or more of those spy balloons. Those are the only possibilities. One or more of their senior government officials is secretly a spy for the United States and is telling our intelligence community about the spy balloons, or we have somehow or other devised a system that allows us to listen in to communications between very senior officials of the Chinese government. Guess what? Either one of those things is very sensitive information that would be highly classified. If we had a spy high up in the Chinese government, we would not want the Chinese government to know we had a spy there. 
If we had figured out a way to listen to phone calls or read emails or text message exchanges between two or more senior members of the Chinese government, we would not want the Chinese government to know it. Both of those pieces of information, if they were true, would be so sensitive, they would be highly, highly classified. And yet our own military revealed that one of these two things is true last week and in a rather casual manner at that. Why? because they were determined to explain a political point they were trying to make. In order to make the point that the Chinese had flown spy balloons over the U.S. in the Trump administration, they revealed some of the most sensitive intelligence we have. The fact that we have a spy or spies high up in the Chinese government, or the fact that we can listen into their communications. So now, in the service of trying to make Biden look better and save him some political embarrassment, they have revealed classified information, serious classified information and yet no one is raising a stink. I can only wonder how long that will last. Later in the week, U.S. Air Force jets shot down three more objects flying at high altitudes over North America. On Friday, the Air Force shot down an unidentified object flying at about 40,000 feet over Alaska. On Saturday, the Air Force shot down an unidentified object flying over Canada on the orders of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and President Biden. And on Sunday, a U.S. Air Force F-16 shot down a fourth flying object at about 20,000 feet above Lake Huron. Finally, the latest on the talented Mr. Santos. On Thursday, the other shoe dropped. A group of House Democrats led by Robert Garcia of California and including Becca Ballant of Vermont, Eric Sorensen of Illinois, Dan Goldman of New York, and Richie Torres of New York introduced a resolution to expel serial liar and repeated fabulist Congressman George Santos from the House of Representatives. The measure has been referred to the Ethics Committee, where it may languish or it may pick up steam. We addressed this in last week's Facebook Live broadcast. It's extraordinarily rare for the House of Representatives to vote to expel one of its own. To do so requires a two-thirds vote, so the bar is high. In fact, the bar is so high that it's only happened five times in the history of the Republic. And the first three of those members to be expelled from the House were expelled because they were Confederates who had pledged fealty to a different nation, the Confederate States of America. So those first three had quite literally committed treason. The other two members expelled from the House were Congressman Michael Ozzie Myers, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, who was one of the multiple congressmen caught up in the corruption scandal known as Abscam, expelled from the House in 1980, and Congressman Jim Traficant, a Democrat from Ohio, who was caught up in his own personal corruption scandal and expelled in 2002. And that's our Washington Report for this week.